Xbox, Windows, and earnings, it has been one of the busiest weeks in Microsoft's history. Happy Friday, friends. It is Friday. It's got to be a good time, good mood, good times, whatever. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. It was a, it was a busy, busy week, my friends. In the world of Microsoft, this has been one of the busier weeks uh, in recent history that I can really remember because... You had court rulings, you had earnings, you had the end of Windows 10, the end of some peripheral. There's just a lot to talk about. Going to waste no time. Let's just dive into the news. So this week, Microsoft released their earnings, and overall, the company is exceptionally healthy. That doesn't mean every single division is doing, uh, you know, above grade, if you will. But overall, the company had $52.9 billion in revenue, which is an increase of 7% year over year. And net income, which is the amount of dollar dues they shove into the bank account, is $18.3 billion. A couple quick highlights. Microsoft 365 consumer subscribers now sit at $65.4 million. Windows OEM revenue fell off a cliff and dropped 28%. Device revenue, which is primarily Surface, decreased 30%. Xbox content and services revenue increased 3%. So the big outlier there are things like this guy, this Surface Book, the, the Windows devices, uh, just really not people aren't buying laptops and the channels are getting filled and that which means they're slashing prices on this stuff. And so if you're in the market for buying a PC, you can probably find a pretty good deal. You can probably find a really great deal, actually, if you're willing to look hard enough. That being said, if you're a vendor or an OEM, things are not so rosy. And so now they've got to start to try to figure out new tricks of the trade about how are they going to sell new devices on the backside of, uh, you know, the pandemic. And so that is, that's what they're dealing with. And so it's not that people are going to be like, well, Windows is dead. Windows is doom and gloom. I mean, it's, it's a down market. That is except exactly what it is. Now, if you went back to... I don't know, two years ago, everyone's like, Windows back, the laptop is back. Like, these are just the cycles that the industry goes through. The The unfortunate reality is for a lot of OEMs is that the life cycle of a modern PC is much longer than it used to be. Your, I still run a 7900X upstairs as my primary desktop rig, and that thing is like, what, five years old, six years old? And honestly, I don't have a lot of desire to replace it. It, it you know, it skirted through the Windows 11 benchmark. Now, this device down here we're recording on, I believe is a 7600K. It is stuck on Windows 10. And again, I don't have a lot of desire to update it or upgrade it because it does exactly what I need. And why go spend another two grand to do the exact same thing that I'm already doing without any issue. Now, granted, if I were going to start recording in, in something like 4K 60 frames per second, right now I do 1080p 60, then yeah, then maybe I would need to look to upgrade. But as of right now, not planning to do that. And I think that just sort of, uh, you know, encapsulates the, what the issue is with the PC world. Uh, one of the more interesting moves that Microsoft announced this week, Microsoft is moving all of their hardware peripherals under the Surface brand, and at that same time, they're killing a lot of hardware. Now, Microsoft makes a ton, or I should say used to, make a ton of different like keyboard and mice and webcams and all that stuff under this Microsoft brand, and that's all going away. They're going to stop doing that. Now, Microsoft has made a lot of stuff over the year, a lot of ergonomic keyboards, a lot of different mice. The Arc Touch Mouse is one of my favorite travel mice to ever exist. It's what the, That's the one that folds flat, and then it can arc up. It's great. It's a great thing to toss into your back. Uh, but a lot of that is going away. Now, they're not killing every single peripheral, but they're killing off, it looks like, that Microsoft line of hardware. And so, uh, yeah, it's not just a rebranding. They are, like, legitimately, you know, culling a lot of product, if you will. Uh, speaking of culling of product, Microsoft has also announced that Windows 10 22H2 will be the last version of Windows 10. So, 
get your box on that one and you will continue to get security updates at least until October 14th of 2025. I don't know what's going to happen after that. I'm assuming that they are going to extend this or figure this out because I, again, I am a, a user here with a 7600K, a wonderful chip from Intel and a great machine that can do everything I need, can only run Windows 10. Now, I know people are going to say, yes, you can do in the unofficial workaround to get Windows 11. I, I'm well aware, but that is, that's missing the point here. The average consumer is not going to do that. And so is Microsoft really going to just try to force everyone to Windows 11? Probably. That is probably, I mean, roll back in the podcast. We just said, hey, device revenue is down 28%. What's a great way, Brad, to get people to upgrade their machines forcefully? Well, you start putting up prompts on their device, like your device is no longer getting security support, security support you need to upgrade. And so maybe these things are coming together at a convenient time for the Microsoft, maybe not so much for the consumer, but Windows 10 22 H2, see you later. Now, on that same note, Microsoft also announced that Windows 11 LTSC, that is the long-term servicing channel, will be coming in late 2024, which is interesting timing because that's when Windows 12 will be arriving. So maybe, maybe we're going to see the end of Windows 11. Microsoft's going to draw the line in the sand and be like, Windows 11 is done. Here's the LTSC version that will last another five years, something like that. And so then they're going to be pushing maybe, I, I can't imagine they're going to change any requirements. Maybe they try to push people in Windows 10 to Windows 11 LTSC. I don't think so because LTSC is typically... And not typically, it is designed for enterprise and designed for offline, mostly environments. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of stuff. Microsoft Edge will soon let you remove features that you do not want. We will wait and see when this fully rolls out and see how truly you can turn things off and actually remove them. Things like crypto wallet and, and shopping, if that's not your thing. So at least Microsoft is not being completely brain dead and understanding that people actually want just a basic browser. That's all we would. That's let us let us be in control. Microsoft also announced this week ahead of build, mind you, that all Microsoft 365 apps will begin to use the cloud.microsoft domain. So that's a shift. Uh, I'm guessing this is going to impact some people somehow who have like hard coded things or something like that. But either way, Microsoft has announced they're going to begin that migration or they're in the process of, of doing that migration. So look for all of your apps to start going to cloud.microsoft slash whatever. Uh, yeah. And then so finally on the tech news side, Microsoft is announcing that the loop Microsoft loop app is uh, now testing on iOS and Android for personal accounts. I do have it on my personal phone. Like I, I use loop on my mobile device. And so, it, I mean, it works, it works. Uh, granted, right now, not everybody can get it on the iOS specifically. You have to be in the, what is it called? The hockey app, or that's what it used to be, test flight. And so it's not generally available, but if you find the link from Microsoft and there's enough openings, because it is a limited pool, then you can download it, which I do believe it is actually all filled up. So if uh, earnings this week wasn't enough, if cutting off Windows 10 wasn't enough, if it wasn't removing hardware from Microsoft inventory through, uh, you know, putting it under the surface brain wasn't enough, the CMA bombshell, let's dive into the gaming news. So there's been more information. So earlier this week, the CMA came out and said, Microsoft, we're not going to let you close this deal. Our concerns, and I'm in a nutshell here, primarily revolve around the gaming, uh, game streaming market, cloud gaming, and that it's still evolving and it's too early and that you're going to be a dominant player. And that was the deal. It was not Call of Duty. Granted, Sony maybe was pushing this bet. We don't really know what was happening truly behind closed doors, but it was not Call of Duty was not the issue. Since then, a lot of information has come out. First off, uh, Bobby Kotick, obviously, uh, was a little ticked off because, right, he's going to get a massive payday if he can get this thing uh, 
if he can get this deal closed. He actually goes on to say, it was so flawed in every way regarding their decision that it's going to create a lessening of competition, which is the opposite of their mission. And we think that an appeals tribunal will see that and rule in our favor. So that last part there is sort of the, the crux here. So Microsoft is going to appeal the ruling. It is not completely dead. They're going to go in front of this tribunal. And I, I don't know if they'll have to make additional concessions if they can do or different or remedies or something along those lines that will allow the get them to close. But Microsoft is not stopping. So they actually announced just today. Just today, Brad Smith, who, Brad's not me, Brad Smith, said that they have struck another 10-year deal with Enware, which is a European cloud gaming platform, which strikes right at the heart of the UK's argument. Uh, so that is one thing. Also announced today is that NVIDIA came out in defense of Microsoft and cloud gaming and that the UK was like, hmm, they're like, brah, you kind of missed the mark on this one. And so, uh, yeah, NVIDIA, this is just today, by the way, NVIDIA, NWARE, two different companies, by the way, also, uh, now backing Microsoft or joining Microsoft in their crusade here to get this done. So Microsoft is not even close. Uh, Phil Spencer actually went on a, a, through an internal process, through an internal meeting, really kind of caught it and said, look, this is not what we were expecting, not what we hoped. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, this doesn't change our plans. Even if Microsoft doesn't close Activision, it doesn't change what Xbox is and Xbox is doing. And he really emphasized that they will continue to move ahead with their current strategy and continue to perform and that sort of thing. So Phil, you know, like just calming the waters, but realistically here, the next steps are that Microsoft is going to go in front of the tribunal and a lot of people seem to think that they have a very valid case. Now, granted, these are the same people. Foss Patton's uh, uh, is a very good source. Furian Mueller, I can never pronounce his name, uh, it makes some good, compelling arguments. And it seems like potentially the CMA just completely missed here. That being said, they've made a ruling, and that is the facts. And the facts are that the CMA has made this ruling, which means that Microsoft is no longer going to get approval from the CMA, which means they have to try to take alternative course action. And yeah, and so it's going to get real interesting because there's people believe that if Microsoft can't get the CMA to agree to this now, they're I, I hesitate because all of the the pundits and, and analysts and legal experts out there keep saying like Microsoft should have been able to get this through. This feels weird. Like the CMA is just trying to say, look, we did something, but most people believe the tribunal will overturn it. But even that just doesn't feel quite right. But the deal is not dead. By any means, the next big shoe to drop, which is going to come from the EU, I believe is on May 22nd or around that time frame, it might be the 24th, can't remember, 22nd or 24th of May, the EU will officially reveal their ruling related as it is to this uh, acquisition process. If the EU comes out and turns it down, then the deal might be dead then it might truly just be dead at that point. But again, the EU has already, according to Reuters, looks like they're going to approve it, although that's what we were expecting from the CMA. And so maybe we'll all be surprised. But either way, Microsoft is on the hook for roughly $3 billion if they cannot get this deal done. That being said, you know, time will be the true test. The other thing to keep in mind, I think it's going to be very difficult, as it is today, for Microsoft to close the deal by June 30th. That is when they were contractually obligated with Activision to do that. Now, will they pay the $3 billion penalty on June 30th? I doubt it because as of right now, NVIDIA's, or NVIDIA's, Activision's stock price fell off a cliff when this deal came out from the CMA that they were gonna block this. It would be crazy for Activision not to renew or extend because they would already be getting a more significant premium than it when they initially signed the deal. And so I'm not expecting the deal to just fall apart because it's like June 30th, you didn't do it, we're walking away, give us a $3 billion. I don't think that's going to be the actual case here. So, 
yeah, it, it, the, there's still a lot of drama, if you will, related to this Activision deal, and it is far from being done. The other super interesting thing happening on the gaming side is these, and it's getting a lot of attention, the Rogue Ally, which is a handheld device. Think Steam Deck, but better specs. And so the pricing, it looks like it's leaked, leaked has going to come out at $699. And I think that this is just the Xbox handheld killer. I really do, because this thing has high-end specs, higher-end specs than I think Microsoft would build into their own handheld. It will play just about anything without much issue. And so... Every time someone's like, build that Microsoft should make a handheld. Well, it's like, yeah, maybe they could get the price down a little bit from this. I mean, maybe they, that is a thing. But at $399 for the Steam Deck at the entry-level price, I can't imagine them getting it any lower than that. And so, you know, there are very viable options for playing Xbox content on the road. And I think that Microsoft still should continue on their current course and not ship a handheld you can play it on your iphone you can play it on a dedicated device like the, the ally or the steam deck if you want and those are going to be best in class experiences uh redfall xbox controllers are uh available you know if that's your thing if you love those custom controllers which clearly people do i have no issue if you like your custom controllers i totally get it customization rgb it's all the highlights and uh those are now in the design labs and then a little uh interpersonal company note my company shipped a game on Steam Early Access called Gaussive 4 Supernova, and it actually has Alien GPT, so this is really cool. Uh, I was actually watching the development of this, so it, it integrates GPT into the dialogue of the game, and it, and it carries it throughout. Uh, it's a really neat implementation. There'll be a link down in the description below. All right, we have also questions of the week, which might be, it's a recent record for number of questions. I think it's 13 total uh, different people commented in here. So let's dive into the questions. My favorite part of the week, fired up. John Levy says, I am requesting your opinion. Well, you are about to get it. What if Intel rolls over and plays dead or actually fails? Who will do all the quote unquote stuff they do? To what extent will the US to name just one country be impacted? Interesting question. I Okay, I seriously doubt Intel would actually completely collapse. Now, I'm not saying they won't go through downturns, they won't shrink, and they won't become a smaller iteration of what they are today. But there's one major thing that is missing from that conversation, and that is the government in the U.S. Now, the Intel does supply critical chips to various aspects of what the government does. So the government is not going to let Intel just collapse. So I don't think they're going to do that. They would find a way to keep their fabs online, their technology going. It might be an extremely slimmed down version of the Intel we know today, but I would be shocked if Intel ever truly died. I hate to use the term too big to fail, but they kind of are in that space, at least from the U.S. technology independence perspective, which is a big topic these days about trying to keep uh, onshoring production and capacity and ability to build high-end microchips is a very much a big thing. Now, someone's going to come and say, Brad, we have AMD. We absolutely do. AMD is very much a viable option, but these are, it's sort of like, you know, you have multiple vendors for the government, right? Like it's Lockheed Martin exists, uh, Rocket Jet Aerodyne exists, Boeing exists. You don't want just one vendor. And so I don't think Intel will be allowed. To, I mean, the only other thing that could happen is that the government, like, let's say they truly are in like chapter 11, the government might come in and say, look, you're going to take these entities, put them into their own company. We will support that company until they are a viable process. All the other junk that doesn't make sense, it's gone uh, sort of thing. And so we've seen similar things. I mean, you can kind of look at the GM, like auto bailout or other Detroit manufacturer bailouts uh, along those lines. So 
that would probably be the model that is followed. Mr. PKI comes in and says, based on LinkedIn and Facebooks, it looks like more layoffs are occurring at Microsoft. Have you heard anything new in the area? Well, somebody sent me a tip. Uh, it looks like maybe potentially in the IoT segment, there might be some more layoffs happening there on the security side, but it does look like Microsoft is continuing to uphold their promise that they're continuing to do the rounds of layoffs that they announced earlier this year. Uh, Joe says, thank you for the awesome comment. Thank you for the awesome comment, Joe. Uh, do you think Microsoft can still make concessions to address the CMA's concerns to change their ruling? And if so, what concessions do you think they will need to make? So there's been some hilarious speculation along this front about what Microsoft can do in front of the Tribune to actually get this deal closed. And some of them, I am not even joking, are saying, look, they just raised the price of Game Pass so that a competitor can come in to the UK market and be able to sufficiently uh, compete against Microsoft because Microsoft, I, I think most people would agree, has a really tremendous value in Game Pass right now about the content that you can get that makes it very, very hard for new entrants to compete. So one of the competing theories is like, look, make them raise the price and then other companies will at least stand a chance to have some margin in that arena. I do think that Microsoft can continue to make these concessions, although it would have been much easier and I'm not quite sure, maybe I missed it, but why the CMA doesn't explicitly come out and say what Microsoft could do and maybe that's part of the game here uh, to actually get this shut down or get this like, you know, get this deal shut and, and close the door and actually close the acquisition. But what could they do? Well, they can raise the price of Game Pass. They could make other concessions like, like, like saying, hey, we won't put Call of Duty in Game Pass. Now, you got to keep in mind that this would be limited to the UK market, which would also be hilarious. Like, let's say it closes around the world and they say, look, we won't bring Call of Duty to Game Pass in the UK. We think that's a fair deal. But imagine if the rest of the world has Call of Duty in Game Pass and the UK doesn't. I don't know. We'll find out. Microsoft is appealing to ruling. I don't have a great timeline on that yet, but everyone... Uh, the speculation or belief right now is that it would, it's not going to be quick, right? Nothing in the court process is quick. So, uh, Steichen82 says, with the Xbox Series X, we get 4K gaming. What about the apps? Do we get 4K content like Amazon Prime? I believe that's more, so that is more on the app developer, I believe, than it is actually on Microsoft. Now, the Xbox will scale it up to 4K, right? If you have a 1080p image on your 4K TV, it will span the whole thing. It's not going to show up in a little box. But I believe that is more on the developer to actually stream 4K content, right? If ESPN is not streaming a 4K stream of whatever content you're watching, it doesn't really matter because it's not 4K content. And so, uh, yeah, I, it, I believe it's possible, but... I don't know the specifics for all of the apps. Jay Wolf says, "Happy, hey Brad, happy Friday, happy Friday, Jay. Uh, with the somewhat shocking news that the CMA has decided to block the ABK merger due to cloud gaming, isn't the simplest solution to the issue to have Microsoft remove cloud functionality in the UK? If there's no X, oh, this is interesting, see? If there's no X cloud cloud gaming functionality, there's no reason to block the merger and maybe somewhere re renegotiate all the Xbox cloud back into Game Pass. That's an, see, this is what I mean. like." Okay, let's say that they, like, would this be a sufficient remedy? If Microsoft went to the tribunal and says, okay, fine, we agree. We cannot, we might dominate cloud gaming. We will remove it from the market for the UK. Now, I suspect that the logic, logical human beings are like, well, no, that's not what we meant. Because they'll be like, well, we want our consumers to have access to cloud gaming, but no, not like that. Uh, and so to truly appease it, I mean, that's the simplest solution. It's like, okay, we won't do Xbox cloud gaming in the UK and we'll just leave the market open. And so that's that's one of those, like, the literal interpretation isn't what the actual 
ruling really is stating. And so it would be funny if they tried to do that, but I, I don't think Microsoft actually would. Rob Segal says, regarding the Activision acquisition, a lot of attention was placed on Sony's objections and the 10-year deals Microsoft agreed to with platform makers. Do you think the impact of Google, specifically a decision to, to kill Stadium, was underestimated by the public, tech journalists, maybe even Microsoft themselves. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. So if you go back, I actually, I have a video. It's like the one 10-year cloud gaming agreement Microsoft actually needs that they don't have, and it's Amazon's Luna. They don't have that one. And I think that would actually be a massive win for Microsoft because Amazon is one of the few companies on the planet who could actually compete at scale with what Microsoft is doing and they don't have that 10-year agreement. Now, NVIDIA is, is another who could do that I don't want to, uh, you know, overwash uh, the NVIDIA doesn't play a significant role. But when you think about net new entrance into this market, Luna is the epitome of what Stadia could have been, but coming from Amazon and they're still around. So, yes, I do believe fundamentally that Stadia's, Stadia's shutting down, proving that Google, granted, Google's very much chased the shiny red ball, but Stadia not being able to compete in the market did impact Microsoft in ways that they potentially underestimated in the market. I think that is a very fair assessment and something to very much consider as Microsoft goes forward that Stadia uh, died, right? Stadia is not there. So uh, you comment frequently and I, I need to, you need, you need to write out how to pronounce your name. I always say Ingwer Formax, 4RX, <laughs> Steer Brad. With all these handheld devices coming out and Windows UI not being very friendly on a handheld, is there any interest from Stardock? And so transparency, I work, that's the company I work at, Stardock, and they also make Galsiv, uh, to make a console like game launcher type of experience. It could be part of Start 11. So this is interesting. What he's getting at is when you run Windows 11, on a handheld device, the UI is not designed for those experiences. Now, Stardock makes UI-like tools, namely through Start 11. So, we, you know, full transparency, that is my team that would build this. We don't have anything on the roadmap currently, and, and I say that carefully, currently, that would address this specific concern. First, we got to understand the market. But that being said, Start 11 actually does have functionality built in. So, one of the things you can do in Start 11 is you can... On Windows 10 or Windows 11, you can take the Windows, you can make a Windows 10 style start menu and you can make it full screen, kind of like Windows 8. And you can also make the tiles on the start menu massive. So they'd be real easy to touch. And that might be a, a somewhat of a middle ground that helps people out. But as for a dedicated, almost Windows Media Center like UI, we don't have anything on the immediate roadmap currently for something like that. Uh, Brother Nod says, could Microsoft go ahead with the Activision acquisition and bow out of selling consoles to the UK? I mean, technically, yes, right? The UK's authority remains within the UK, and so they probably could. It would get a little weird for potential employees in that country. Like, what would they do? Especially Microsoft has a lot of inroads in the UK as well, right? Through government contracts, Office 365, Windows. It's not like Microsoft only has one product. And so Microsoft has to tread carefully that they don't anger the government too much, that they really start ripping away their ability to do business with other things like Azure and their data centers and stuff like that. So... Uh, do you, and his second question is, do you foresee yourself using Loop over Notion or something similar? Yeah, so I've already moved from Notion over to Loop, mostly because I've always just wanted to use Loop and I haven't been able to, and now it is. I will tell you that Notion is still to this day far superior than what Loop offers. It's just it's befuddling that there's not a native uh, Windows app. You got to use it as a, a web app and there's, they're just not as good. They're fine, but they're, it's kind of like, 
um, having knockoff brand. You know the old, the meme. It's like, Mom, can we get McDonald's? And we have McDonald's. At, and she says, No, we have McDonald's at home, and it's something terrible. Like it's it's not quite terrible, but it is definitely not nearly as good as Notion. But I am using Loop full time now. Uh, the notes for the show that I am reading from are in Loop. Uh, Richard says, with the Xbox Bethesda showcase fast approaching in June, what's your most anticipated announcement? Should we expect any hardware releases or purely games? I'm not expecting hardware. Uh, I'm not expecting hardware. That being said, the last... I, I could be wrong on this. I could be wrong. But I remember one of the last big announcements from like this time frame was the Elite Series 2 controller. I think it was a code name Delphi, I believe, came at this time. I am not expecting an Elite Series 3. Microsoft just got the Design Lab stuff up and running. I'm not expecting. They also just announced the Elite Series 2 core controller. So I'm not expecting, primarily, I'm not expecting at least yet any hardware. Now, granted, the one piece of hardware that I think does make sense that Microsoft does not currently offer is an Xbox Series X without a disk drive. So there you go. That is one thing that I would hope to see, but I don't know if we're going to see that this year. And says, oh, if you could choose a game franchise for an announced sequel or reboot in June, what would it be? Oh, man. I'd love... The first thing that jumps into my head, and I know that I believe there is a reboot somewhere out there, is Turok, like the original, right? I'd love... I loved uh, that game quite a bit, even like Perfect Dark, but you know what one I want? And this... If you recognize this game, first off, this is an N64 game. I would love a sequel to Win Back. If anybody remembers that game, I played a ton of that game, an absolute ton of it. And I would love to see a sequel <laughs> for for Win Back. Man, that that even Rush, uh what there was a game called Rush 64. I don't know if there was an ever an ever uh, if they ever made a remake of that either. So those were two games that I played a lot. Uh a lot as a kid. And the last question of the week comes from Francisco C. He says, do you believe that the lack of Xbox integration with the Steam Deck has to do with the heavy integration uh, it will have on the Rogue Ally with Windows 11? Okay, so let's just back up here a second. So the Steam Deck primarily runs Steam. It is designed to run Steam because that has how Steam makes money, right? Steam can sell the Steam Deck at a lower cost because every time you buy a game through their their game store, they make about 30% margin on that. So it's like, hey, we can sell this thing basically at price or close to it, maybe have a little bit of headroom in there, knowing that people will buy games on Steam and that's how we make our money. It's not to their advantage to go for deep integration with Xbox because if you buy a game on Xbox on the Steam Deck, Steam doesn't make any money. Uh, And so, right, they want you to... It's supposed to be the best Steam experience, not the best mobile gaming experience. Now, the Rogue Ally is looking pretty darn good, right? I noted that earlier it's going to be around 700 bucks. And he says... you know, thinking about the Xbox integration there, that makes a lot more sense for for that type of a device because they don't make money through the game store, so they need the widest possible net to get the most amount of people to buy the hardware because that's how they're going to make their money rather than on the back end. So I think they're just good differentiators. I think they're both good for the market. If you primarily play Steam games, then the Steam Deck makes more sense. But if you're big into the Xbox world and you want to have more flexibility, the Ally makes a lot of sense. And I truly do think... Uh, that this might be the just best Xbox handheld we might see. I, I can't imagine Microsoft doing it 
potentially any better for a more lucrative price than what we see here, right? Because if Microsoft does launch a mobile handheld, they're gonna want it to probably run PC games, I think they would want to cover that narrative. And then it also wanted to cover Xbox games. And then at that point, you're just, you're building the same thing and competing with your partners. Let them take the risk and build the hardware. And you guys, meaning you guys, meaning Xbox, continue to deliver the content and services, which I will remind you yet again, that is how Microsoft wants to be judged on their revenue, not on their number of consoles sold. So there you go, my friends. Like I said, it was... There was a lot this week. There really was. It was a busy week. I, we are far from over. We're heading towards Microsoft Build where we will see more things coming down the pipeline, more infrastructure and that sort of stuff. Obviously, I don't expect next week to be as crazy, but we're certainly going to start to hear more and more about how Microsoft's going to navigate the CMA. Uh, we're going to continue to see what happens with Surface, with Windows. We're getting a lot of news there as well. So as always, my friends, make sure to keep it subscribed here because the BS on this podcast is me.